Well, it is a joy to be with you this morning, and it's a joy to gather together for worship. I don't know about you, but there are some Sundays when I don't feel prepared, or I don't feel adequate for the enormity of the task that God has placed upon my life. This morning, uh, Rosalind and I, we had the projector at home, and uh, Rosalind forgot it. But, you know, God is good. As we were, I was thinking of having to drive from here back to Parksville and back and hoping there wouldn't be a white car with a blue stripe down the side. I suddenly said to Rosin, Joy and Martin, because they only live two doors away from us, and Joy was able to go into the house and bring the projector. Thank you, Joy. A small... That's a small ministry being available. Ryan and Jackie and the girls are away just today. Pray for them. But you know, as we sang those two opening uh, songs this morning, I felt moved of the Holy Spirit. I just knew that through Patty's ministry this morning, that the Lord was truly here. Felt the same last week when Corey brought his gift of music as well. And I know that many of you did because of the, the wonderful comments that we had afterwards. And so as I am charged with the ministry of God's word this morning, let us just take a moment of quietness. Prepare our hearts for whatever the Lord would place upon our hearts and our minds this day. I pray that we may be collectively renewed through the power of God's Holy Spirit, that we may know the renewing presence of the Lord through the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us through the, the ministry of his word. Lord Jesus, we have gathered here today with different needs, different concerns, but above all else, we know that we can place everything at the foot of the cross. For you have said in your word, you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all our diseases. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being able to be here this morning. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Uh, this week, Rosin and I were privileged privilege to spend time in the presence of a man of God, a Nigerian Christian who has lived in Canada for almost a year. And as, I, as we talked with this man, it was like being in the presence of Jesus himself. I felt emotional. This man who moved from Lagos just over a year ago would actually go and say to people, can I pray with you? Have we ever done that? He was in the Parksville Park, and there was a couple of people there who have severe emotional and physical uh, disabilities. And he went up to their caregivers, and he said, I'd like to pray. Well, the caregivers, the caregivers didn't quite know how to respond. But Moses, he prayed. He prayed for these people. One of them has no uh, ability to speak, 
and the other person with severe uh, emotional and physical issues. As Moses finished praying, just raised the hand and said, heaven be with you, heaven be with you. Oh, that we could have that same openness in our faith, just to be available and to be willing and sensitive to the Holy Spirit to go and to, to pray with people, to share the good news of the gospel with people. I don't know how often you read the Psalms. It is said by some that the book of Psalms is the forgotten book in the lives of many preachers. How many sermons in your Christian life, how many sermons when you have attended church have you heard from the book of Psalms? Charles Stanley in his study Bible said, it is the most read book in the whole of the Bible. I make it uh, a challenge uh, to read through the book of Psalms every month. And I tell you, the more I read the Psalms, the more I realize how relevant, how practical, how down to earth, how blunt and honest the Psalms are. That is why summer in the Psalms is going to be a theme throughout these summer days. The Psalms. I want just to share with you a few quotations that have been written about the Psalms. What some people have written are these words. I enjoyed singing them with Presbyterians, chanting them with Anglicans, quoting them with the dying, and reading them in my devotions. I remember when I was the Anglican minister in Inuvik, there was a very prominent businessman who didn't make any profession of the Christian faith, and he was ill, he was terminally ill, and he was dying. And I visited him on a regular basis in the Inuvik Hospital. And one day I said to him, would you like me to read to you from the Bible? And he looked at me and he said, Jeffrey, I would like that. And I said, I'd like to read to you from the Psalms. And he said, I'd like you to read Psalm 23. I read Psalm 23 and then I prayed with him. And a couple of days later, he had passed away. And there are people who aren't Christians, who are familiar with the book of Psalms. Another person said, the Psalms speak a universal language to the human soul. They do indeed. John Stott, who many of you are familiar with, wrote this in his brief commentary on the Psalms. Whatever our spiritual need may be, there is sure to be a psalm which reflects it. Whether triumph or defeat, excitement or depression, joy or sorrow, praise or penitence, wonder or anger, the psalms are, are relevant to life with all its pressures and problems. I suppose I could stop there and say just think about those words and read through the psalms. Eugene Peterson who wrote a beautiful commentary on some of the Psalms, wrote these words. The life of the Christian in the modern world needs to be shaped and molded by teaching from the Psalms. The life of the Christian 
in the modern world needs to be shaped and molded by teaching from the Psalms. Those are words that I keep close to me and reflect upon. But also, I think we all probably know that the book of Psalms is the oldest hymn book, the oldest hymn book that we have today. There are some churches, especially in Scotland, a group of people known as the Wee Frees. They only sing the Psalms, no other hymns, no other songs, but they sing what is, sing what is called metrically. They just sing the Psalms. But when I think about the Psalms, Jesus loved and used the Psalms himself. He applied the Psalms to himself on various occasions. Psalm 110 is referred to by Jesus in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 4. In Psalm 118, Jesus, the, the Psalm is referred to by Jesus, but also in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, where Jesus knew himself to be the rejected stone, which became the cornerstone. Jesus also knew himself as the one who had experienced the terrible sufferings of the innocent victim described in Psalm 22, Psalm 31, Psalm 41, and Psalm 50. The Psalms are an essential part of who we are as Christians. We need to read the Psalms. We need to uh, pray over the Psalms. We need to pray the message of the Psalms into our Christian lives. The Psalms are crucial to following the way of Jesus. I quote John Stott again. Above all, the Psalms declare the greatness of the living God as creator, sustainer, king, lawgiver, savior, father, shepherd, and judge. As we come to know Jesus better through the Psalms, we will fall down and we will worship him. And so this morning, just for a few moments, I want to comment, well, a few minutes. I want to look at Psalm 1 with you, which we read together collectively. Sometimes life is full of surprises. And sometimes we have to acknowledge, if we are truthful, that life doesn't always work my way. And it doesn't. I could speak of times of great elation in my Christian life. And I can also speak of those moments of utter despair and profound discouragement. But in Psalm 1, a psalm that is familiar, I'm sure, to all of us, we have what is known as the way of happiness. The psalm very clearly describes two ways to live. Whether we acknowledge it or not, there are two ways to live. And the first way, referred to in verse 1, is blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates, he reflects, he prays day and night. Blessed, 
Another word for blessed is the word happiness. What then is happiness? There are as many definitions of happiness as there are days of the week or even weeks in the year. And there's no doubt that many people spend their lives pursuing happiness. As someone wrote a long time ago, many people spend their lives searching for happiness by entertaining themselves to death. There's nothing wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong in wanting to be happy. But often, and I believe this to be true, it's happiness when everything's going my way. But life, as we all know, isn't like that. Life isn't like it. Life does not always go my way. The Bible teaches quite clearly that happiness is not related to what happens. Indeed, it isn't. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and spur your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. If we are realistic and honest, those words sound so contradictory, and yet they come from the mouth of Jesus himself. How can we be happy? How can we find contentment when people hate us, when people spurn us, when people don't want to know us because we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus says, rejoice in that day. Rejoice when things are not going according to plan, when life is not going the way that I want it to go. Think about the Apostle Paul. What a man of God he was. How he suffered and yet endured for the cause of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wrote the book of Philippians, known as the letter of joy, whilst he was in a stinking, filthy Roman prison. Denied the basic uh, amenities of everyday life. And yet in Philippians 1 and verse 12, he could write, For me, for me to live is Christ, to die will be to my advantage, to my gain. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 18, he wrote, You should be glad, and you, you, and you should rejoice with me. Life is full of surprises. Life doesn't always go the way I want or expect it to. Life, life, happiness and joy in Jesus. Where then is true happiness to be found? Well, it isn't found in walking in the way of the wicked. But his delight, he says, is like the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners. The way of the wicked. Now let us be blunt, let us be honest. The Bible tells it as it is. The Psalms, those who wrote the Psalms, 
They told it as it was. At times, they wrestled, they argued with God. And yet, they were direct and to the point. And this Psalm 1 is direct and to the point. The way of the wicked. Who are the wicked? Well, from this psalm, I believe we can say those who choose to leave God out of their lives. Or they may say they believe in God, but many are not sure what they say, what they mean when they speak those words. They're not sure who God is or what God requires or expects of them. Those who choose to leave God out of their lives. Oh yes, these people, they many are morally upright, live honorable lives, but this psalm is quite specific. This psalm hits the rubber where the road is, and there's no getting away from it. And so let me elaborate. Those who leave God out of their lives, those who pay lip service to God, those who have some kind of a profession of faith, but it is not based on the reality of life in Jesus Christ. It is not based upon the truth of God's word. And sometimes the teaching of God's word is found to be difficult to accept and understand. And yet, God's word is God's word. It is unchanging. It is immovable. God's word, as written, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we live in a world where many people choose to leave God out of their lives. We know that there are many people who have no interest or belief in God at all. We know that there are many, as I have said, who pay mere lip service to God. And then, of course, there is the cynic. Oh, so you go to church. Oh, so you sing hymns. Oh, so you pray. Oh, you read the Bible. And on and on it goes. There is a lot of cynicism in our society today. For example, many people are cynical of institutions. Many people are cynical of politicians. And I number myself as being often cynical of politicians. Many people are cynical of their employers. And of course, many people are cynical of the church. And understandably so. Understandably so. And it is, la it is sad. And then of course, people laugh at absolute moral standards. If you do not know what absolute moral standards are, read the Bible, read the Psalms, read the Bible, and read what the Bible has to say about being believers who believe in God's word with absolute truth, with absolute moral standards. When all around us there is pressure to conform to all that is godless, powerful, and deceptive. We live in a world where so many people mock and humiliate Christianity. Many people disillusioned with the church. And yet, I say to those people, as I say to myself and to all of you this morning, there is a new and a better way. 
from those who reject and have no room for God in their lives. How can we not read Psalm 1 and see a man who knew what it was to have a close, intimate, personal, vibrant, relevant relationship with his God? It is a psalm that we need to read and absorb. It is a psalm in which we need to baptize and completely immerse our lives. This psalm speaks so clearly and specifically of a new and a better way to live. For you see, in this psalm, there is the good news of the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. The psalm moves wonderfully from the negative to the positive by using one word, and it's a three-letter word. It's the word but. Oh, it's a small word. It's a word we use in our daily lives with such frequency. Yes, I will, but. Yes, I will go, but. It's a great little word. There is a better way. There is a new way. There is a more fulfilling way, and it's a relationship with the Lord. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates, he thinks about, he dwells upon day and night. Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases these words this way. You thrill, you thrill to Yahweh's word. Oh, you thrill to Yahweh's word. Those who have a relationship with the Lord, they do not rebel against, but they delight in, in the teaching and instruction of God's word, the Bible. Whatever our daily activities may be, we should not forget the teaching of God's word. That doesn't mean that we walk around with a Bible in our hands, always looking at the words before us. But God's word should be so ingrained in our lives that when we're in a time of crisis, when things are not going the way we want them to go, we can draw on the reservoir of God's word. The Bible is full and complete, and it has words sufficient to meet every need in your life. Psalm 118 and verse 105 has these familiar words. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. The word of God is a lamp and the light never goes out. The word of God provides direction. It provides hope. It provides guidance, and God's word is sufficient for every need that we have. God's word is the light, the much-needed light that gives, gives the guidance that we need to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need to be faithful readers of God's word. I've told you on several occasions of a lovely Christian lady that we knew. 
She's now with the Lord. She had a family. She had two children and a husband. Her husband was supportive of her, but he was not a Christian. The house was busy, as it always is with children. And her quiet time was had in the quietest room of the house. It was the bathroom where she could not be disturbed. All we need to take time to read, to mark, and to inwardly digest God's Word, the Bible. And so, my dear friends, as Christians, let us look not to public opinion to form our opinions, to shape our lives, but let us look to God's Word in which we should delight and trust and take great pleasure in reading and applying to our lives. Someone wrote these words a long time ago. Psalm 1 is content to develop this one theme, implying that whatever really shapes a person's thinking shapes their life. Does the message of this book, does it shape your life? Does it shape and mold your thinking? This is the intent of Psalm 1. As we delight in the law, in the word of the Lord, and as we meditate on it day and night. If we are focused, if we are intentional about following the way of the Lord, we need to know his word. We will be like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, those who meditate and apply the word of the Lord will prosper. We have a beautiful description here of the life that is lived in Jesus Christ. A life that is grounded in the word of God will flourish. It will mature. It will grow and bear much fruit for Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Our lives will be filled and be radiant with the beauty of the life of Jesus, because Jesus will indwell us through his Holy Spirit as we follow the teaching of God's word. And so, in conclusion, I ask the question, what kind of disciple in Christ are you? Are you a faithful follower of God's word? You have left the way of wickedness behind you. How deep are your roots in God's word? When the winds of adversity blow, when your faith is being attacked, are you able to stand firm and be like the evergreen tree whose leaves remain strong and secure? Prosperity is a much misunderstood word in certain segments of the church. But we will prosper in grace. We will prosper in love. We will prosper in joy. We will prosper in the life of Jesus when we are directed by the ministry 
of God's word. Verse 6, verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There are two ways. They are spelled out quite clearly here. The way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. The way of Jesus, for me, is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And when we are on the way of Jesus, when we are vibrant and enthusiastic in following the way of Jesus, we will know the abundance of his presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. There is no third way. It's either or. You cannot have your feet in one world, one foot in one world and one foot in the other. It is either the way of Jesus or the way of the world. And so we have to decide which road we are going to walk on. Why? Life certainly doesn't always work my way. It can be like the chaff on the corn, so very unstable. When the wind blows, when crises come, there is chaos and disaster. And so it is my prayer that all of us will stand secure in Christ, that we will know the joy and the enrichment of his presence with us as we read his word. And so I close with these words this morning, words from the book of Jeremiah. And if you want to know of what endurance requires of you, read the book of Jeremiah. It's a long book. You read of a man who travailed, of a man who suffered for 40 years and saw very little results for his ministry. But he remained faith-filled and faithful. Jeremiah wrote, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. I pray that these words are true of us and that they will resonate in our lives in all the days to come. O oh God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we read it, we can be so encouraged. We are challenged. And sometimes we don't fully understand all we're reading. And yet, it is your word. And it is unchanging. And as we have committed our lives to you, we have a responsibility to be people of your word. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.